Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, an informed and expert look at the latter half of actor Nicolas Cage's contemporary filmography. On today's episode, we're going to be watching the 2014 film, Left Behind. Don't leave this one behind, guys. You gotta rush out. To go to your theaters. Demand that they get this back up on the big screen. You gotta see it. If you feel like the only energy missing in your life is a hypothetical apocalypse, then this is the movie oh for God. you. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to have sort of a unique lens that we're viewing this through. Um, today's date is it is uh, March 23rd, so we're recording this about... A month ahead of time before uh, this will be released. So that should, you know, who knows what the world will uh, look like. We're sort of day to day with this, uh, the Corvid or COVID-19. The novel uh, Corvette, Chevy Corvette 19. Yeah. Uh, um, who knows what I will look like? I mean, I've been working from home for over a week now and... Uh, I have not taken off of my sweats in <laughs> so long. They're just grafting to my thighs. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was um, very much due for a haircut right before all this started. And then I'm like, oh, that's, you know, not really an option anymore. So so I've got like the the curls coming back in. Yeah. I'm going to have a big, I'm going to be cl- back to middle school, David, pretty soon. No. Just a big old puffy head of hair. That middle school um, David was the guy that whenever we went to a concert, he was the guy, baby. <laughs> whenever we went to a concert, random people would ask him for drugs. Yeah, and David was like, kind of a somewhat sheltered young boy, mm-hmm. and <laughs> was like the last person at the concert who's going to be wheeling and dealing drugs eventually he grew into that role as we all know <laughs> yeah definitely i sort of uh I, yeah i lived up to, i was like oh this is what people uh expect of me oh, i better <laughs> grow into that <laughs> but no it is uh very true where i sort of had I, I i must have given off the vibe that i was like a pretty stony dude i remember you looked the like the lead times... singer of coheed and cambria david that's true yeah um but i remember one of the first times probably like in in the first year that we became friends befriended each other and started hanging out outside of school uh we went to a Def Leppard concert it was Def Leppard and, and Journey Journey Def Leppard was Leopard, opening right. for for Journey that's right yeah and we I was we were in seventh grade and uh there was I remember we were sort of just standing there you know grooving out to the music and uh like a woman in her 40s like brushed back my hair <laughs> Mind you, I'm I'm like 13 years old yeah, at this point, and it was like cherub. she's like, yeah, I don't remember what she asked me, but she was just, you know, sort of hit me up. Where's the weed at? <laughs> Where's the weed at, young man? Well, and from I'm behind, like, I don't you know, know what that is. Yeah, uh, I was pretty tall like, at that point, I guess, but yeah, but your <laughs> was face was like a little baby. Oh man, I'm getting flashbacks. Mm. Time is yeah. a son of a bitch. You know, like you said, it was right around when you became friends with. Uh, me and my friend group and i feel like everybody almost everybody might have like a story or like a relatability to this in that it was such a strange um 
like almost hostile takeover of you into our friend group <laughs> it was literally like you came in like halfway through the school year like a little bit later you weren't like well i was there at the start of the at uh, seventh grade but oh, i, but I wasn't changed. there for sixth grade okay you yeah, came so in you had all grade. been at middle school for a year and it was like already. hey this is david he's new because he wasn't with us in sixth grade and yeah. we saw me and my friend group saw you and we're like okay seems like a chill dude and then later that day we saw you at 7-Eleven getting a Slurpee, and like mm-hmm. that was it. It was just like, whoa, this dude's getting a Slurpee. And then yeah. he rolled with us every day, like oh, just yeah. immediately became part of that friend group, which is still close, even like approaching into our 30s now. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing. Like adults, are, it's so hard to fucking make friends or to, to yeah, have truly. any sort of connection. But for children, it's just like, we're operating on a different frequency. Like it's like how kids can see ghosts or some shit. It's like, oh, his essence is yeah, everyone been knows that <laughs> absorbed. <laughs> but no, that that is so so true because it's like, and then it also is shocking, as you said, with like uh, so many of us are like such good friends still. The the fact that our friendship was like predicated on truly so little. Yeah, <laughs> we just like so like happened to be obsessed with all the same like you know dorky weird shit but yeah it wasn't like that's not how we befriended each other that's it wasn't what we, said like, it was realized just... that after the fact we're like oh yeah we're like like all of this uh you know like larping and uh playing D and magic the gathering yeah. and all this like insanely dorky stuff uh it just worked out you find your tribe you find your tribe um and welcome uh, to the cage tribe Sort of talking about relationships and connections that people can have with one another. I want to de- debut a brand new segment. And this, oh. who knows how it'll go? Uh, I feel like you might have um, y- y- some thoughts about this. I could see you kind of uh, I've always <laughs> being got a thoughts. little critical of this. Well, <laughs> but uh, we're going to try something. As everyone knows, there is um, what are the classic. Uh, sort of like road trip film trivia games you can play is Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Sure. And it's a game where you try to find uh, seven de- within seven degrees of connection. You can do it in less if, if you can, but it has to be under seven, um, trying to branch uh, a single actor to Kevin Bacon. And you do it by... You know, um, this person was in this, was in this with this person, was in this movie with this. Yeah, until you figure out that connection, and you got to do it in under seven people. Okay. Uh, We are going to play a little game called the Seven Degrees of Cage. I couldn't think of a more horrible job if I wanted to, and you have to do it. You have to, or I'll fire you. Do you understand? Wow, stellar title stellar title and the way that we I, i'm gonna play this along with you derek this is gonna be a collaborative i might encourage you to pull up imdb on your computer it might be a necessary resource for us the way that we're choosing our starting point the person that we're gonna eventually connect to nicholas cage is we're gonna look at whose birthday it is who out of the oh. stars oh. whose birthday is it today oh. um How so do i find we, that on imdb uh, I can tell you. Okay. Um, so Carrie Russell, um, who is, of course, in most recently in The Americans, but uh, was in Waitress as well. Um, she's in one of the Mission Impossible movies. 
she's she was our number one star. Then we have uh, Michelle Monaghan, who might be a good choice. She's been in a lot. She's been in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. She's been in Gone Baby Gone. She's uh, also in uh, the Mission Impossible movies. Do you know Michelle Monaghan? Are you looking at? You got her up? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking. I at actually. Her. Uh, so we can choose uh anyone we've got we've got some other people Catherine keener it's her birthday today happy birthday and by the way happy birthday to all these wonderful stars yeah uh i don't know if you've looked derek but one of the main things that sort of kept me going in these dark times these uncertain dark times during the pandemic is the wonderful videos our stars have been putting out for us. Oh, thank you so much for singing Imagine to us, Gal Gadot. Thank you. Oh, shit. Bullshit. Hey, uh, <laughs> whoa, Dave. Are you slamming you know what? sparkling water right now? Uh-huh. Yeah, I am drinking a Truly. That's why I'm so hyped up. That's why I'm willing to That's why you're bringing speak the truth, the truth yeah. to, to the stars tell wonder woman off his isolation um, is not good for him i so here's my suggestion we go michelle monahan i think i i think we can okay. do this okay okay so we're gonna start michelle monahan okay Oof. and we're gonna try to do it in as few turns as possible uh and some people might say that using imdb is cheating we're gonna do it anyway well let's try not to you wanted not to i think i've already got it what yeah i because i think it's like a single point of connection oh my god i was gonna start with okay you you go first then and i'll i'll jump in with my theory uh if if you're i don't remember a lot of her stuff but i do know that she was in constantine oh yeah which stars um keanu Keanu, and i feel like great movie a lot of uh places you can go from keanu Yes. Um, also, she's in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is Val yeah. Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. Know that. And then, uh, of course, Mission Impossible. She plays uh, Tom Cruise's uh, like love interest and former wife in that, in that, which is, of course, has a wide variety of villains and sort of a shifting cast. There's, there's at least... So there's six or seven movies, six movies, I think, uh, right now. So that that has like a a huge cast. Oh shit! There's another one. I've got I've got two. What? Just go. I've got two connections. Just, okay. Just let's do go. them both. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So let's say, uh, one of them's gonna be. Should I do the shorter one or the lo- slightly longer one? Uh, let's do, do them both. Okay. <laughs> okay, we've Love got this Michelle game. Monaghan. Who I believe was introduced first in Mission Impossible Three, the J.J. Abrams Mission Impossible, where, where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays the villain. Um, in Mission Impossible One, though, we have John Voight. Oh. So we're taking Michelle Monaghan is working with Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Three, who worked Tom worked with uh, John Voight in Mission Impossible One. John Voight was, in, of course, in what film, Derek? That's National Treasure, baby. National Treasure, baby, which had our leading man, the cage, baby. <laughs> the king. <laughs> the cage. The cage, man. Oh, man, that I was worried that this was going to take 
like 20 minutes. I was worried that it would be too long, but we did it very quickly. I think our listeners the other were connection, worried about that as well. The other connection, uh, yeah, everyone's <laughs> panicked. We're just fast forwarding uh, to what? What's the other popular? Part? <laughs> what other part of the show might people be excited about? The news. Um, I kind of like to do connections where I don't know where they're leading until it happens. So like, Michelle Monaghan mm-hmm. was in Pixels, oh. twenty fifteen, which had Adam Sandler. Okay. Who was in Big Daddy. Yeah. And uh, Nick Cage is a daddy. You could also do uh, Nick Cage, uh, or sorry, Adam Sandler was in um, countless movies with Steve Buscemi, a frequent uh, oh. visitor. And then you can do uh, Big Lebowski, wh- where um, Steve Buscemi was in with John Goodman. John Goodman was both in Raising Arizona and Bring Out the Dead, starring Nicolas Cage, both those films. Wow. Dave. And then the, the one that I was going to do, the thing, one okay. that I think is the shortest, is Michelle Monaghan was in Gone Baby Gone. Ed Harris was in Gone Baby Gone. Uh, Ed Harris is in National Treasure 2 as the villain. And The Rock. Two, two Nick Cage movies. Wow. Adam Sandler was in Grown Ups 2. Adam. <laughs> Adam. Uh, I love. Hey, I, I love The Sandman. Adam Sandley? Mm-hmm. I love the Sandman. You like the Got a co- lot of love for him. Love the cobbler? <laughs> uh, and I will say, I, I don't love every single one of his comedies, but I do think Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison are both very funny movies. Okay, I would agree. Like, it, I find them as, like, you know, like, classics. You know, it's part of my, like, library. But um, my fiancé hadn't really ever watched Adam Sandler. And yeah. We should have started Happy Gilmore, but I started on Billy Madison, and I was like, "Oh, this is a classic. The classic gags in this." Yeah. And man, was it a kind of uh, weird experience watching sort of a, Billy Madison yeah. with her from never seeing. It definitely soured her taste for exploring <laughs> Sandler's filmography. A lot wow. of a lot of the gibberish stuff that people think is stupid now. And like yeah. the female characters, obviously really, really well handled in all of his stupid comedies. Uh, clearly yeah. uh, really thought out um, interesting folk <laughs> there. Uh, and like some of the gags just don't <laughs> They're not even nearly as funny as when you remember them. Yeah, some of the well, the thing I'll say about those movies is that it's so obvious that it's like t- everything in that movie tickled him at the time. It's yeah. like, oh, this is all very, very funny. None of it feels like attempting to like create uh, a movie for a test audience or something. But I, I do know, like, uh, introducing it to an adult woman who has no nostalgia for Adam Sandler, she'll be like... It's a bit of a train well, wreck. No laughs, really. He called the shit poop. Yeah, it honestly <laughs> kind of... It reminded me of, like, just a, line. In a, a long SNL sketch or something, because this is, like, one of the first movies after SNL that he started doing to create Happy Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me of those, like everybody's kind of uh all worked with each other before in snl and wrote it together and nobody's really there to say no it's because you know how improv can be it's like you got to be so encouraging 
to yes yeah. and people, but sometimes you need <laughs> some bitter criticism to be like, that's not very oh, funny. Sure. Um, and like, so when everybody's on the same page and like has worked together and just cracking each other up, it's the quintessential dad complex where you're making yourself laugh so much you forgot to realize if, if it's actually funny to an audience. Yeah, I think that's, and that's become like increasingly apparent with uh, his comedies. Like, you know, if you look at the Grown Ups franchise or. Uh, My mom loves know. that shit. Yeah, and Boomers it's got an audience. People, that. There's a, a moment uh, where Shaq picks up, I forget who it is. It might be like Kevin James, but he picks up, they get into like an argument in a parking lot. This might be Grown Ups too. But Shaq picks up Kevin James and throws him over a house, which is that is that is funny. That is a <laughs> funny choice. To make. It's objectively funny. I'll tell you where he peaked. Uh, click, baby. Mm. Big clickhead. I'm big clickhead. Actually, I still like Big Daddy. I mean, but yeah. Again, and the, then the female characters are are leave a lot to be desired, but. And then truly, I really liked his uh, comedy special that he put out. I think it might have been last year. And then also uh, Punch Drunk Love. Great yeah, honestly, I then... just love him in dramatic roles more than anything. Yeah, Uncut Gems as well. Yeah. Uh, fantastic in it. I really, really liked that movie um, quite what's that, a bit. What's that one where he's terminal funny people? Funny oh, people? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny people, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. A sort of... Uh, um, who, who directed that? Judd Apatow's right. modern retelling of The Great Gatsby. Did you know that? That's like... No, a, that totally makes sense. A plot, like, in the same way that uh, The Big Lebowski is is the Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep. Judd Apatow recreated The Great Gatsby, which, yeah, it, it's, you, it's weird. You but. know what, like, and time has kind of changed. I don't know if time has made this, like made me into like my observation false but like i uh i've followed snl for a long time and i always watch it and like it's it hasn't been super great um in a long time but i feel like i can say that because i watch every single episode um Mm -hmm. because there is a tendency to when certain people leave to write off everything that's ever made after that, depending on what camp you are in of like who you liked, even going far back as like Chevy Chase and shit, like people who enjoyed it at that time have never found it funny after. So I try to like really kind of just find talent where I can and, and laugh where I can. And, um, anyway, when Pete Davidson first started, uh, on SNL as a featured, he really reminded me of Adam Sandler. Um, the way he kind of has like an irreverence to uh, character work, but if it's goofy enough to entertain him, he'll he'll buy into it. Mm. Um, he's very like East Coast. I think Adam Sandler's like a New York guy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think he might be a Jersey kid. Yeah, so like um, I always found like a lot of parallels, and I was really excited to see Pete kind of grow into a kind of like new type of Sandler comedian that has his own movies and stuff. It's been going a little weird. He's like. Uh, kind of i like saw a, some of his his current his most recent special and i thought uh some of it was bad i i like yeah. i like pete too i i totally get what you're saying where it's like oh this guy is sort of personality forward uh is sort of chari- charismatic and has like that kind of boyish charm like where it's like hometown oh. charm almost like the yeah, guy you totally. grew up and you knew kind of thing yeah like totally it, does. 
he like walks that line between like oh he's clearly enjoying the comedy that he's doing um but like the thing like that was so good about sandler like it, it, he he was always very tickled by what he was doing but he would never like full out break he was always like committed to getting mm-hmm. his jokes across yeah, uh, yeah. unlike a fallon or something who Boo. you know would break down and yeah it always felt very inauthentic but uh yeah i'm glad we got to talk about the sandman i hope he's do- i hope he's doing all right out there oh i'm sure he's kind of dealing with some psychological shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, he got he did uh, he had a very funny he won he got snubbed for the Oscar for Uncut Gems, but uh, won an Independent Spirit Award, um, and uh, he gave a really good a really good funny sweet speech about it. How uh, how I think it, it, his like core joke in that was in in high school uh he wanted to win best looking in his yearbook uh but he didn't he unfortunately won uh best personality and he's like i think that the spirits spirit awards are the best personality of the award shows (laughs) and the oscars are best looking well Uh, which is a cute little the better you are at speaking to a crowd and giving a speech and then accepting an award with grace the least likely you are to uh win one is uh, oh boy. the last <laughs> two years have shown us yeah there's uh, oh boy yeah there's a lot, oh. a lot to there. uh and let's uh let's leave that behind very yep. much so uh like segway left behind the 2014 gym disaster film uh and it's also about a disaster yeah <laughs> directed by vic armstrong 2014 the guy um, from the stretchy dolls yeah this is him stretch armstrong if you you pull him you can tug on him um, you get to play with him for like two days before all the goo just goes everywhere into the carpet or your parents get pissed you get so curious about like what's what's in there yeah what well, i need to steal a in. steak knife from your parents and just go and do a <laughs> Yeah. Sort of a guerrilla operation on your stretch Armstrong. Um, but Left Behind finds commercial airline pilot Ray Steele, Nicolas Cage, Ray struggling Steele. to keep his passengers calm and his plane afloat after the biblical rapture strikes mid-flight. Meanwhile, GWN reporter Cameron Buck Williams, Chad, <laughs> Cameron Buck Williams, Chad Michael Murray, becomes Ray's reluctant co-pilot and Ray's terrified daughter, Chloe, Cassie Thompson, braves the chaos of the city streets in search of her brother and mother. Not so reluctant. Um, And I will say, this is our second sort of religious propaganda film that Nick has done. We had Knowing as well, which was uh, a Scientology propaganda film about the end of the world, uh, or a version of the end of the world. And now we have um, Left Behind, which is uh, a a sort of a creationist Christian film. propaganda film about uh the rapture and and an interesting thing uh that i looked up nicholas cage made the movie as a favor for his brother mark coppola who is a priest wow. so his, did so his nick bro- cage play a priest has nick cage played a priest Cur- um, yes he definitely has I know that he, in Face Off, he's in disguise as a priest. Oh, at, that's what I'm thinking of. that of. movie. Yeah, that so is So he definitely has dope. worn the robes. That's some good meme, Cage. Oh, yeah. That's that's his craziest. That's one of his craziest performances. Um, I wish we were talking about that movie. 
Oh my god, me too. So yeah, this is. Um, here's what I'll say. There's a lot of movies that engage with Christianity in ways that are uh, really, really revealing about the way that faith can be powerful and important in people's lives. This is very much what movies are like, those. Like First Reformed, uh, which is a Paul Schrader movie who directed Dog Eat Dog. Uh, that's a movie about a um, a priest who is working for a big sort of um, like a mega church, but he's taking care of this historical church that has oh. a much smaller flock. Uh, a fantastic movie, Dude, truly one of great, my favorite movies. What a great of pull 2018. for that. Put me putting you on the spot there. Oh well, yeah, this I had written great. notes because I was like. That there there is ways where you can obviously talk about faith in movies that isn't incredibly like uh, condescending and 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 pr- trying to proselytize to your audience and evangelize um, to your audience, but this is very much it's not like, a marketing movie. Yeah, yeah, this is very much like one of those movies that's in league with like what's the one with the there's like a bad atheist professor or uh god's not dead or something like that um where it's like it's it's very much made for specifically a christian audience who i i don't know i don't you i don't think you were like this derek or I, i don't think your parents um had this sort of relationship with media but i know i definitely had some friends uh who's who grew up in christian households whose parents were very very specific about the media that they could have and would sometimes be like here is the sort of off-brand christian version of the movie that you would want i remember one of my friends mm. uh had instead of mario kart had a old a pc game called holy rollers and it was all <laughs> this is like characters. definitely uh like flanders episode of the yes, simpsons 100%, basically yeah. but why oh, totally i think they made that joke in the simpsons where they had they were playing yeah. some yeah well i get it if it's like hey we don't want mortal Kombat or some shit but uh totally. mario kart <laughs> yeah i i didn't have well that's the thing where it's like okay this is sort of silly uh why we're choosing to not engage with these mainstream media uh things so this so yeah this this very much feels like just down the line christian propaganda pretty shitty movie i don't know well derek how, how do you feel as as uh yeah how do you how do you feel about this oh film? i love it <laughs> yeah it's, this is your number one right this is this gonna be tied Mandy for Mandy, yeah no basically um well, I watched this with my fiance. I've been watching a lot of these with my fiance in season two, and she has mm-hmm. been pretty spoiled. Uh, and then we watched this, and she got a real yeah. taste of what the show actually is, which yes. is just watching fucking filth. And um, <laughs> it, <laughs> and she she did come online when Chad Michael Murray showed up because um, I and was who would it? Yeah, I I thought hubba, like hubba. I feel like I've seen this guy, and she was like Chad Michael Murray, so. That was a treat for her. Um, I do feel like, uh, man, it's so crazy how time shapes our perspective of things. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like every movie, like I was watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because it's quarantine and we're watching all the Harry Potters. And um, I was like, when did this come out? Like, this is so old now. And and yeah. it was 2001 or two, like right at the beginning of the new millennium. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself like, Oh, this is very like, um, this is like a, a like kind of a, a, 
a barrier from the 90s transitioning into 2000s, like the cultural totally. impact of this movie, as well as like filmmaking in general. But there's a reason why Chris Columbus, the director of the first two Harry Potters, eventually got taken off. And it's because so much of the movie, with my perspective of like cinema now, is like, or like, uh, just kind of how movies play in theaters now there's so much like 90s slapstick like uh zoinks in the movies oh sure and also this was right after 9-11 when this movie came out and the main antagonist is a dishonest evil guy in a turban that is hiding a dark lord underneath his turban and i don't think that registered to anybody and not that it necessarily should have because that's how it is in the book you know it's unfortunate timing that that, sure but like i think if that came out like if like now on the heels of like middle eastern fear and like terrorism yeah islamophobia islamophobia like that's it yeah like heights that it is yeah it would be such a huge part of the like critical reception and understanding of that movie that like the turban dude is hiding an a, a, an evil force mm. in that yeah. and like I just was like blown away that that wasn't a big deal. Maybe I was just too young and people were talking about that, but I don't think it was. I I don't think a lot of like mainstream like American media had the sophistication because if you look at and this is actually incredibly on topic because there is a Muslim character in this movie and Mm -hmm. there's some real gross like sort of like subversion of expect uh, of there's an assumption of the expectations you would have about a Muslim person on a plane, like the director sort of like plays into what they think an audience would assume about this, but then mm-hmm. is like, don't actually think that about this person. And it's like, well, I, w- I literally w- wasn't. There's a moment where uh, a Muslim guy is, everyone's very suspicious of him because I don't know. I didn't actually get like any sort of read f- from how he was playing his character. Well, there's just point. like a bunch of white people on a plane and things are going wrong yeah. and he's the only Middle Eastern dude. That's like, right. Yeah. But then there's there's a point where he's reaching into his bag and everyone like looks around like, uh, and mm-hmm. it, there's like a harsh cut uh, away from that and it cuts to something else. And then he like ends up pulling out a, uh, a, a, to- a toothbrush and it's like a vibrating toothbrush and he's like oh how dare you judge me and it's like w- that was like the the sh- the movie the creator of this movie like showing their their racism more than like them doing anything or saying anything meaningful about it was the definitely of yeah faith and... like crafted to create these expectations without a doubt almost right cartoon like there's no subtlety to it but um, i think that yeah this is a movie that came out in 2014 and all throughout the the 2000 um the 2000s the early 2000s like frequently you know uh uh muslim people middle eastern people were just used as they became like the new Russians or the new Nazis in media. And, uh, you know, unfortunately there was like a really gross sort of villainized characterization that they took on, you know, shows like 24. uh, There, there were so many instances. I remember watching the movie stealth, which is like a, which is a movie uh, starring like Jessica Biel. And uh, I forget, but it's about as Jamie Foxx, I think is in it, but there's, and it's about these like high tech stealth planes. And the opening shot of that movie is a bunch of like middle Eastern farmers literally having like this rickety cart, like 
being pulled by a donkey and in the cart there's just like a wmd and that movie came out in like 2003 and it's like what is what is going on but uh, yeah regardless this movie the fact that it falls prey to those same stereotypes in 2014 or or the fact that it thinks like oh now is the time to subvert them now is the like maybe this movie's audience has that type of internalized islamophobia but it felt like very much uh like the (laughs) the director projecting something onto its audience that they they felt themselves the the islam the like middle eastern character too is kind of used throughout the movie as like a representation of a peaceful religion that is not christianity that like he doesn't get saved um, right and he's like proven wrong but is shown as like someone practicing a peaceful and meditative religion so i feel like the movie tries its best to like say like to be fair like the the main protagonists are the people who are fed up with their relatives who shove religion down their throat um Mm -hmm. but like it's it's very obviously uh one-dimensional and one-sided to those people's experience it's like the experience of a secular person from the perspective of a devout christian their whole life so it can never be whole or understood yeah yeah Um, they they go through the everyone who is like a core character in this movie um like when first class which is the sort of ensemble that we get introduced to in this movie when they're being introduced you kind of have this understanding of like what which uh, like what sins each of these people did there's like someone who is uh, a gambler someone who is uh, struggling with like drug addiction or drug abuse um you know there there's someone who is uh like a very very greedy capitalist like businessman uh and then there's a guy who's a, a muslim so, so all of those <laughs> a people, peaceful meditative muslim <laughs> yeah just the nicest guy um it, yeah it, and it's it is uh i don't know it, it ends up like you, you can't watch this stuff as as someone who like isn't uh, a creationist and, and be anything but like insulted at it or, or i don't know it's it's not even that it's insulting it's just like it's not insulting it's, it's just kind of not embarrassing it's just not much like um craft going on like if you have something that you really want to say um and you're gonna preach to your audience about something uh do it with a lot of fucking skill and craft so at least totally. they have like an appreciation for it uh like the more of a moral like um like Parasite's a great example where it's like if you're going to try to say something about classes and wealth, you better do it really well or else mm-hmm. you're going to look like kind of an idiot. Um, at least make it a good fucking movie. Uh, For sure. And like first. Yeah. The the pr- Well, no, I've, I'm just kind of going back to like so time changing our perspective is also really apparent to me in the um, the romance between um chad michael murray and nick cage's daughter um because it is kind of like fun guy chase girl but in light of our sensibilities and the sensitivity to issues with like the me too movement and and things like that it feels very aggressive and feels very stalkery and strange and like obviously their performance is like so canned and there's no any there's no real chemistry or like like actual relationship being built on screen 
it is very much like the uh the disney like um disney's amazing but like what i'm trying to say is like when you go through a disney ride they try to give you very simple clear images of romance so that you kids can understand what's going on applying things like those on the nose imagery and reactions to people who don't really have any connection beyond strangers uh, in a movie with really cheesy dialogue creates this very like artificial romance that is also acted upon in a way that is like over the line if it was in real life in terms of his like pursuit of this, totally. this young woman. Yeah, I think that, that was, you know, my read of that stuff and like how you're supposed to look at this famous guy's pursuit of like a young college student that he just like happens across uh it is like it makes you very very aware uh, a lot of things in this movie make you very very aware of like just like cultural differences where yeah. it's like oh this is good this is it's it's like uh it's considered a good thing to be persistent and like really show that you're invested in in this specific person mm-hmm. um but o- obviously like you know uh like women i'm sure feel very very differently when they're trying to like travel and like are at an airport and a person like won't leave them alone uh let's let's talk about some of the fun insane stuff i i've, I've got some good notes I'll, I'll bring up some of my favorite moments from this movie and you can let me know uh, if you have anything to say about them um so the, essentially, the, the just like the plot of the movie is that the uh, this college age daughter comes home to surprise her dad Nicholas Cage um, on his birthday, and he, he ends up having to fly that day. So he he goes and he he's a pilot. He gets called into work. He doesn't say no, he, even though he knows his daughter's coming home, um, and and he ends up leaving. He's having an affair. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but anyway, the daughter is, like, very judgmental, but also, like, knows a little too much based on the amount of evidence that she's given. Uh, like, a flight attendant has stolen Nick's hat, and she's, like, she, and she's like very much immediately, like, oh, so this is who you're leaving mom for. Why haven't you just left yet? Like, is like, really interrogating Nick over, like, from what we've seen as an audience doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Um, but I do there's there's some really good like lines as like the first line i think in the movie is the daughter getting off of her flight and the mom calling her on the phone and saying welcome home you are home right and which is like such an insane (laughs) insane thing to say and then there's like a really good jazz soundtrack the whole soundtrack Uh, of the whole movie is outrageous the whole movie is great the soundtrack is I don't even know. I don't even really have words. Just for royalty it. free, yeah. sort of like jazz. Yeah, you could and like then, find it if you're like uploading a YouTube video, and it's like, do you need music for your video? Yes. We have like a canned twenty songs you can use. Okay, here's another good thing. Uh, he Nick gets U two tickets for him and his um, hope hoping to be <laughs> mistress, and the way that he gets these. And the way that the daughter fi- finds out that this is what he's going to be doing instead of hanging around ha- celebrating his birthday with her is like a luggage guy drives by in the airport and he's like, uh, uh, give your dad these U2 tickets. These took me two weeks to find these things, <laughs> which is like, what is that? <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I thought that was very funny. 
Uh, and then once she gets home from the airport, she has a little brother who uh, does get raptured in a very funny moment where she's sort of just holding his clothes. But when <laughs> our introduction to this brother is, did you get me anything at the airport? Oh, the brand new baseball glove I've been asking for. <laughs> I literally wrote that line down too. When he, when he, so good. That br- and it's like sticking out of her bag, like clearly by the props department, so she could quickly like pick it out. Yeah, that brand new baseball glove that I've been asking for. <laughs> so good, such like just I absolutely understand because I, I I'm someone who writes and like I've edited so many of those lines out of my thing where I'm just like trying to get like words down on a paper trying to like push through so i can like get stuff down and i'm like oh i'll edit this later and then you come across something and you're like this is so far from anything an actual human would ever say but it's just made it into the final draft of the movie he also says um, um i hear there is an 80 percent off sale at GameStop." yes that's a good i one. also wrote that down an 80 percent off sale how, how often does that happen a store-wide 80 percent oh it, it happens all the time but then there's just like a thousand little like fine print sentences about like what memberships you have to have and like which things you have to trade in in order to get that and all that i used to work at gamestop uh, full disclosure everybody the cat's out of also uh shout out to gamestop who was like resisting the their categorization as a non-essential business and was trying to stay open (laughs) and recently just like called and we're like oh okay we won't we won't open up Uh, i guess games are not essential you can Um, they still have workers working there and you can pull up outside of the store and they will hand you games yeah um that's pretty typical that's Uh, pretty typical yeah um there's a very sweet old lady who has alzheimer's and she doesn't get raptured her husband gets raptured you don't know what she she's about well that's the thing you know maybe she murdered someone in her past or like before she got alzheimer's she was really mean and then she forgot now that she has it. She, <laughs> yeah, she forgot that she, she's like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be mean. I'm all nice now. So before we get into, um, <laughs> I like how my my note for talking about Chad Michael Murray's aggressive uh, nature and like the weirdness of that romance is just creepy stalker Chad Michael Murray romances hard. Um, he does, yeah. but. Uh, so I just want to say the biggest, the worst part about this movie, I think, um, is the pacing. And when somebody says, "Oh, the pacing's really bad in the movie," it's kind of like a, it's kind of like an easy comment you can make about almost every movie. But like, this poor actress, uh, the woman who plays Nick Cage's daughter, yeah, after her brother gets raptured, she walks from one side of town to the other, and will cut into Nick Cage on the airplane. And then back to her walking through town and she'll see a scene like a woman crying at her uh, stroller because the baby's gone. And then it'll cut back to Nick in the plane and the plot will move forward and it'll cut back to her and she'll be running through town. And the same exact kind of scene is going on, like a mother crying, a child gone, and then back to Nick and then it's back to her. And she must have been walking and power walking and running in almost every scene, she must have lost so much weight. Like the amount of cardio she was doing, There's and it was like cardio. if they cut back to her, and she happens upon a half-baked scene of a mother crying about a missing child one more time. Like, how many times are you going to communicate the same exact thing? Like, 
we get it. We get it from the poster, like what's happening. It's that was the thing. Yeah, like immediately looting starts after everyone gets raptured. She's at the mall with her little brother when it happens. Um, but the thing is, you would think that each of these little scenes that she has when she's like moving throughout the t- a town would essentially be a parable showing like the sinful behavior of someone or the remorseful behavior of someone mm-hmm. uh, and the, like their situation, why someone else was raptured and, and they were left behind or something or why this person, you know, what was left behind based on like the fact that, you know, she gets like held at gunpoint and, so, and stuff. But, and they do a little bit of that, but it really is just kind of the same cookie cutter beat. There is a very funny moment or it's not actually funny. It's only funny because I had a thought about it. Uh, but she goes into like the um, the like uh, maternity ward in a hospital, and mm. all the babies are uh, have been raptured. And I think it would have been really funny if one of the babies was just left. And she's like, "Damn, that's a bad baby." No, my fiance and I were watching, and we <laughs> she goes into this like totally empty ward, and there's just no babies. But then, if in the corner there was just this like little. <laughs> Like, ah! <laughs> yeah, just smoking, <laughs> just, just flipping her off, peeing on her, just like little Jersey Devil in there. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been really good. Um, okay, let's 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 review, let's wrap our thoughts up. On we didn't this talk thing. about Cage at all, actually, um, uh, okay. because his performance isn't that bad. Actually, no, it's fine. It's actually there, pretty good. Like, he, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that you can tell. He spends a lot of the movie in the cockpit yeah. so that he's probably the only person on set those days. He doesn't have to interact and they don't have to keep all of those uh, actors. It's very funny, actually. So there's the cockpit, there's the uh, first class, and then there's like the... um, What's the term for uh, the the economy? Where like uh, all you people... Where I fly. All you people fly. I don't even know what it's it's called economy i mean i don't know what it's called because i don't even get to fly at all <laughs> stuck stuck taking the train uh, <laughs> but but it is very obvious that that stuff is sectioned out um based on like what days they could have those actors shooting it doesn't feel like they're all on the same vehicle at all um yeah but yeah his performance is, is fine it's naturalistic it's it's pretty grounded he has a good moment like the connection between him and his daughter and his wife is is felt mm-hmm. um very felt uh that was actually when i um i i converted at that point <laughs> <laughs> i was i was sold wow nick that's what got me really helping his his uh his, 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 his brother cousin or his, his cousin brother. what was it yeah oh his brother yeah mark coppola's brother pastor yeah yeah um, yeah, anything else you want to say about him specifically? I know we d- we didn't talk about him, but it does sort of feel like he's there, he's clocking in, but, you know. It reminds me of our talk with pr- about Primal, where it's like a bunch of mediocre stuff surrounding Nick Cage, but he still does his job well, whereas like... Yeah, um, absolutely. Some of the actors in, in Primal just kind of took it for what it was and phoned it in and like he he goes there man that's what i respect about him the most like i wish he did better movies um but like it, it's like um if you have a shitty job or or whatever like they're not going to get the best out of you you know or if mm, you if you sure. if you feel like 
the operation isn't worth it, you're not going to really put yourself to it in general with things. But like he is like his own ecosystem of talent in a lot of ways. When that's when, a really good way of putting it. Yeah, he he never he never really phones anything in. He's always like trying to show up and and make interesting choices. It seems like yeah, or just and, commit. Or just be receptive to, to, yeah. to like anything. Like give him an inch and he'll give you a mile, which is the mark of a good actor. Yeah. Love totally. you, Nick Cage. Um, we love you, Nikki. Sorry you had to make this. I'm sure you didn't have fun. <laughs> well, isn't there like, because it's a book series, right? And there's like, it sets up it was for a based sequel. On a book. Is there more? Yeah. No. No. Not enough um, in the uh, tithe to cover the production <laughs> cost of the <laughs> next one. Um, but yeah, let's give our final thoughts. Derek, do you want to, do you want to start or I, I could jump in? Uh, go, uh, yeah, I'll just, yeah, it's, um, it's a bad, bad. Yeah. No, it's honestly more of just Nick Cage's grounded, good performance work that you see in movies like, um, Frozen Ground, but mm-hmm. in just a very, very bad movie. So you don't get a bad good where it's a bad movie with all this fun Cage stuff, um you just get a bad bad nobody needs to watch this um i don't think we even went in really on the movie that much because it's not even really worth a deep dive Um, yeah bad bad from me um yeah because uh because you can tell that nick like is totally respecting the source material you do get a, a a good performance out of it i think um Frozen Ground is a is a great analog where it's this grounded, naturalistic performance. You're not getting these big moments. He's just like, I'm going to commit and I'm going to do what is required of me for this movie. I'm going to elevate it as much as I can. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, it is just totally one of those like Christian movies that sets out to proselytize and uh, and really pushes that creationist agenda um, and uh I think it is it is unfortunate because like you know there's tons of like wonderful movies that engage with faith with faith and like extol the values uh, that can extol the values of like Christian Christianity without denigrating like the broader spectrum of human experience and this feels like mm-hmm. eh, if you're not on board with this specific thing you're left out and that, it's it's like oh. This is, pretty good take dave i gotta say but i wonder what the movie would be like in our interpretation and in our like evaluation of it had it not been a christian movie had it been just some other sort of like people just go missing and it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to do with the I rapture think... it's still um uh not well made uh mm-hmm. like i said like it's it's if you just cut out the parts of the plane and just watch the movie of this woman walking from one side of town to oh the other, it would be an hour of just the most trudging, boring, repetitive shit. Yeah. Like my God, like the plane's all, all the only thing that keeps really it. Bad. And and they just use her as a way to make it into a page turner. In that, like, yeah. the the scene cuts at a moment of tension, but it's not like a deserved cut. And you know, it's 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 almost like a commercial break. It's yeah. Uh, and- and just to communicate how bad this movie is, like, Derek is totally right. Like, if we didn't have this stuff at the plane to get back to, uh, the movie would be just 
even more horrendous. The stuff on the plane is also very bad, yeah. like <laughs> tremendously bad. So, so the good stuff that you get to sort of breathe during is also just insanely is really really poorly done. If you, um, it's, it, I almost went to sleep. Like it's a great one to go to sleep if you can't go to sleep. Yeah. It's like watching sheep go over a fence or something. It, yeah, and it is. I, I do think uh, your point about uh, this is uh, it's a bad bad from me. Yeah, but uh, your point about. It, it if it didn't have the sort of like constant through line of this being a movie um, preaching about the rapture, uh, I think that it, they probably would have had some fun. You know, there are those large yeah. scale, but this movie is so not fun. It's it's teaching you lessons. It's teaching you uh, about why you should be a believer and why you should you know practice Christianity. That's sort of the aim of the movie, uh, and it's not. It's not doing that in a fun way. It's it's doing that in a way of like introducing you to what seems like a collection of like decent people, and then is like, well, let's torture these people essentially, <laughs> um, which is really uh, kind of a bummer to see. Um, but that's that's it. Let's uh, let's move into a little segment that we call cage match. Ho! Ding dong! Ding dong! Ditch baby! All right. I'm about to ding-dong ditch this segment. Of course, Cage Match is the segment where we establish where this film falls into the larger pantheon of films that we reviewed so far on Contemporary Cage. At the top, we have Mandy, then Joe, Bad Lieutenant, Dog Eat Dog, The Frozen Ground, Color Out of Space, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, Stolen, Grand Isle, Kill Chain, Outcast, Ghost Rider, Primal, Pay the Ghost, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and at the bottom of the barrel, Knowing. Okay, so we're definitely under Ghost Rider for sure. This is like season one bad. Yeah. Um, which is funny because like we kept talking about how like how bad this movie is and even the good parts like just so you know the good parts are really bad but oh yeah when i was thinking i was like well i mean it's not at the bottom of the list <laughs> yeah it's I, near. I wouldn't yeah i wouldn't mind i think it is those those the bottom two that we have right now sorcerer's apprentice and knowing both are i think our only two films that really have like no redeemable qualities our slogs are not fun um and uh i think that this fits into that category yeah i think pay the ghost has some really cool special effects at the end and definitely has stuff that's so bad that it's funny um Mm -hmm. like that shouldn't make it better of a movie or better on a list but it definitely does (laughs) oh for sure it's just so strange it's really wild yeah Yeah. that movie's wild it's got it's got some cool weird visual stuff that's unexpected uh i feel like every time we start talking about this i always talk about how great pay the ghost is and like that's when you listen to me in that episode i am so mad (laughs) about having to have watched it yeah i mean yeah pay the ghost is it's definitely it's definitely below pay the ghost i i don't think that that's even yeah. We can even entertain putting it above that. Um, yeah. I, I think the, the thing is, I believe that this should probably be at the bottom uh, with with knowing, uh, maybe just above knowing. Well, now I just feel so biased, you know, that both the religious movies are the very last. Well, but they're both like hyper preachy, like they're not doing it. They're not approaching it with any sort of nuance. They're 
they're approaching it with like hubris and like the intention to proselytize which is like bad for your art to do yeah it's more aggressively bad than mediocre or yeah and it's also like this is this is very much this is not like small personal christianity this movie isn't representative of that it's representative of you know organized religion and like mega churches and people people who have enough money to get like something like this made like there's there's sequences in this movie that i'm sure the movie cost a lot of money and and they were able to like get and pay for nick cage and chad michael murray that doesn't cost too much these days well that's yeah (laughs) but uh (laughs) there are like big scenes with tons of extras like those mall parking lot scenes where things are exploding it's like there's, there are there's money so many there. extras in this movie they really gave extras a lot of work yeah in this movie. so like it to me it's very much representative of like craven organized religion in the same way that scientology is where it's like this is a powerful shadowy organization it's not doing any of the things where it's like you know, invigorating smaller communities or personally like empowering anyone, you know, I, I don't think it's representative of that at all, even though that is one of the things that, you know, you know, that that obviously can be someone's relationship with Christianity. I don't think this movie is representative of that at all. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like kind of the inverse of that, like all of the negatives of <laughs> of organized religion is is on the it's like indoctrination kind of display. Or cultural yeah, totally. manipulation. I mean, because I I value uh, you know uh, people's uh, religion. I do. I, I like learning about people's religion. And Me too. I uh, I try to you know listen to that side of the human experience as much as I can. I think it's important and 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 it does have a place in culture and society um so totally. it, it saddens me as like something that i feel like has a calling on our heart as a people that is something that's so important that both of the movies that try to tackle it at all should be the very last two of the nick cage worst <laughs> of the worst but um you know i'm i'm following everything you're saying and i don't know i i I do really hate Sorcerer's Apprentice, though, man. Like, Sorcerer's Apprentice was bad. Ugh, but at least, like, the romance in that was somewhat healthier. And uh, like, Here's what I'll say. Like, Sorcerer's, Appren- Sorcerer's Apprentice is the representation of, like, incredibly craven secular like capitalist driving like no faith whatsoever just like just pure we're going to reboot this like uh disney thing and we're gonna like bring this old fantasia sketch and throw a ton of money on it and have like tons of cgi and this like breakneck pace uh this like modern blockbuster pace and we're gonna put big names up there uh and hope that it sells and it's just like so soulless like that is representative of that sort of like secular craven capitalist (laughs) thing and this is very much like the craven organized religion like they're they're in the same way like both as like morally bankrupt as one another Um, we're looking at the three worst of the worst like these are the the, the horse of the apocalypse here yeah like i 
they're all really bad. I truly do not. If you have a strong well, opinion about my, putting this above my opinion uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. is just that when I got done watching Knowing, when I got done watching Sorcerer's Apprentice, I was like in a bad mood and I was kind of pissed. <laughs> Whereas watching this, it was just, I was just bored and tired. Yeah. Like I wasn't like pissed. It was like something that's like, it's something that's on. And there was like this... a decent Nick Cage mm-hmm. performance in there as well. So that's true. I, I don't necessarily think it should be definitely not at the very bottom, but I almost want to say it's above Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, yeah, we could totally do that. I, I will say this movie is exactly what I expected, where Sorcerer's Apprentice yes. could have been fun. I was excited for Sorcerer's so Apprentice. For yeah, making something that wasn't fun at all. I was excited for that. I mean, yeah. And in terms of Nick Cage by himself, I think uh, it was another like uh, through line of his like my new appreciation through this podcast and the show of like what he brings to the table as an actor. Mm-hmm. So I think because of that edge, I'll put it above Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So Left Behind uh, sits at the third lowest spot, goes Left Behind, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and then Knowing at the bottom of the barrel. I know I feel people fine about that. like Sorcerer's Apprentice. There are some people. like because it's yeah, like they don't know shit, though. <laughs> honestly, if it's going to be like a young adult book... It's because like Harry Potter did it right, and then everybody was like, "Well, let's get on this freaking money train." Yeah, if I saw Sorcerer's Apprentice when I was like seven, I probably would have liked it. Like it is like kitty, you know, kitty bullshit movie. I just I barely remember lots of it at this point, but except that one scene is etched into the recesses of my mind, where like the the Tesla coils start oh playing God, that yeah. like pop song. Oh my See, yeah, the this is what I'm public song. This is what I'm talking about. Like this movie sucks. And if you deep, if you go down into the layers of left behind, you can find a lot to be kind of disappointed or angry about in terms of what it is. But on a surface level, it's just a middling boring thing. Whereas Sorcerer's Apprentice is like, you don't have to dig at all to start just getting absolutely eye roll. Like, yeah this fucking sucks so we'll we'll put it there and there it will be and i hope we don't have to come back to these uh terrible dark avenues of the nick cage filmography anytime (laughs) soon again no i i yeah i think that's well put um okay so that's that now we're going to move into a little segment called Cage News. Ooh, skip it Beautiful, Derek, and I love that we had a little fanfare going into this one cuz this might be this and it's what? not even a huge piece of news, but it might be the most validating thing that we've ever gotten for us personally here on Contemporary Cage. Well, Cage I Pod. I won doubles badminton championship in middle school, and that was pretty validating. Well, I mean, like for our experience on the pod. Well, okay, that was valuable for, <laughs> for you as a podcaster, <laughs> yeah. an aspiring young Nicholas Cage podcaster. <laughs> um okay so so we have some details on his movie the unbearable weight of massive talent oh so that um, i've been explaining this movie to people and every time i get the same reaction they're just it's just it's so hard not to be so excited about this oh uh, 
it's the best. And everything I hear about it, it's making me very, very excited. So a big part of this movie, as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, is Nick is going to be interacting with uh, a young version of himself. Right. Uh, and there's a, there's a quote from him uh, right here that I'm going to read now. Get yes. ready for it. Go ahead and this is from put the, on the voice. There are many. No, I can't. <laughs> there are many scenes in this in the movie where modern or contemporary. Here we go, Nick Cage, oh. and then young Nick Cage are colliding and arguing and battling it out. It's an acrobatic approach to acting. So I, I get just again to focus in on something. Okay. Here. Okay. Modern or contemporary. Here we go, Nick Cage. He basically said the name of the show. He's calling us out. <laughs> I, I, Exec- I don't produce think... credit, executive producer credits for us. Yeah, yeah, we... <laughs> I think we, yeah. But here's the thing: I don't know if there's audio of this. I want to pull that clip. Oh, contemporary. Can you imagine? Here we go. That oh, that'd be so so good. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a big thing. He also he goes on and says, uh, "There's there's this great performance." Um, that he gave on a talk show uh, when he was promoting the David Lynch film Wild at Heart, which was one of his earlier movies. Um, and Derek, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you watch this really quick. Uh, you just watch the entrance. Just watch until oh, he sits. I've down. already seen this. Okay. Oh no 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 no. Okay no I saw. Didn't I send this to you? Oh I don't know. I I've seen this. I I feel like I've seen this countless times. It like I <laughs> yes yes the karate moves no karate I I've seen moves, this recently hair. I've seen yeah. this recently because like it like resurfaced or something so the reason that I'm bringing this up again he says he specifically says this is his reference point for how for he's young. playing his younger version of himself oh, he's man. like i was just a wild man i was kicking i was doing acrobatics <laughs> you know i was doing like all of this so this is him this is going to be a sort of his guiding rosetta stone through his performance uh, of the younger cage and it made me think like oh he's done a version of this once before an adaptation where he played twins yeah. he said that was the hardest thing he's ever done uh, acting wise and it's so interesting to me that he's going back in. So he has an awareness of it. I, and then oh, I'm just so excited for this. It sounds so good. This is, well, see this old cage, that yeah. this is meme cage. This is like the, the bastardization of cage through popular culture and media is mm-hmm. this guy. And I don't think people realize like how long it's been since he's actually been that guy and played right. those roles that are like like uh synonymous with his memes uh mm-hmm. and and like how many movies he's done since then and how many like roles he's had and like just how much he's changed even in recent years oh so totally it'll be such a great like re-examination of who he is and where he's been and what he's done i think people are really gonna like appreciate that texture and growth because they haven't been thinking about it or witnessing it like we have um because why would you and uh oh that's such a cool cool point of, like it's exactly what we're hoping for oh 
Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's everything. This is an interview on Empire Online. You can uh, look the the title of the article is Nicholas Cage playing himself reenacting movie scenes. I think this is what it what it's called. Um, and uh, or Nicholas Cage talks playing himself and reenacting past movie sequences in his next film. Uh, so you can go read that uh, if you want to. Everything everything he says in that interview makes me so so excited uh about the movie that we're gonna get um yeah i can't wait it's it's another it it feels like another heavy hitter where he's like getting to spend a ton of time like um pre-production thinking about what he's gonna bring to the uh character he seems like he's really probably gonna be working so closely with the director obviously it's a movie about him he he's the most important resource resource they have um yeah oh, man what, I'm are excited. they um is production getting delayed like where are they right now with like the virus um i'm not sure yeah that's a good question i haven't seen anything about nick um you know i'm sure he's 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 probably stuck at home like the rest of us i know like the majority of productions in the world if not like all of them have paused uh, right. sort of indefinitely so it's very possible, yeah, that we we see Nick sort of slow down or well, that some maybe, of these movies. Maybe a little extra time in solitude reflecting on his himself and his past is going to just yeah. be the extra little spice to make this movie one for the ages. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, that's our, that's really our only, uh, or actually I'll, I'll sort of segue our current news story. Um, next month, um, April, uh, it'll already be in April when you're hearing this, but we're going to be watching a movie called National Treasure next week. It's (gasps) National Treasure Week, sort of. Maybe the furthest back we've gone into Cage's uh, history, but I think it's an important. It's maybe his last big blockbuster before before, he, his, before it was like ironic. before he started to transform <laughs> yeah. into into a different beast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's leaving Netflix at the end of this month and then shifting over to Disney Plus. Um, so one or the other, if if you have either of those streaming services. Um, for us, we'll probably be watching it on Netflix because they're going to be watching it sooner. But you, the listener, you should be able to check it out on Disney+. Plus. I'm excited. It's, I don't think I've seen this movie since it was in theaters originally, and I was you know, a 13-year-old boy. I remember like it was around the time Da Vinci Code got all like everybody all excited. It was like this weird like geocaching culture yeah. of like secrets hidden oh, in yeah. plain sight. Um, are we watching that this, this coming this next week? Yeah, for the next next episode. Oh, when does National Treasure three? Well, that's another yeah, another thing (sighs) that is delayed. They were uh, they were in the like development stages. I don't even think I or no, I think a script had been written, but uh, that was all. They were sort of still doing drafts on it and Mm. exact signing off on it, all that fun stuff. Um, Yeah, this is the gatekeeper, just like Harry Potter is to the two thousands. This so is National Treasure to contemporary cage yeah i'm i'm excited to watch this again uh i i remember thinking it was really really fun and i think it's going to be a little simpler than national treasure 2 was like a little 
a little too big. It it's like, like yeah, like when Starburst makes all those different flavors. It's like, what do we do? Is this tropical? Mm. What is going on here? Like, Keep is it, it simple. all? Yeah, like red, yellow, pink, orange. Like that's that's what you're trying to do. Do it right. Hello, Starburst. Yeah, sponsorship. Um, but there we go. That's what we'll be watching. Um, if you guys want to uh, follow the show on Twitter, you can do that at CagePod on Twitter. Um, I've been pretty active there. I've been retweeting a lot of like good posts that I'm seeing about Nick Cage. There was a really, really good uh, outfit thread that someone posted recently. If you want to go and check out some of those looks might show up in future um, uh, Cage fashion corners. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a fun area that we can follow. We're also, Derek, I'm saying it now. We're going to yeah. start we're gonna start posting on the Instagram. Instagram at What's CagePod. At CagePod. Oh, look at that. Or you could just that search synchronicity. Contemporary Cage, and we'll, and we'll show up. But the but the handle is at CagePod. Yeah, um, we'll start posting like small snippets of the show, uh, accompanied to a couple uh, uh, images and photos. You can follow the show there. Um, and get then a little also, sneak peek of the next episode or something like that. You know. Yes. Know. Uh, yeah, I think we're gonna start doing that. Um, just like. Yeah, give you Tittalize. some fun moments to look forward to. Yeah. And then if you guys uh, wouldn't mind, review the show on iTunes. That'd be a huge help for for us. Uh, yeah. We'd really appreciate that. And, you know, let us have it. I mean, there's a lot of cage pods out there, and I only want the best to survive because that's what yeah, this man deserves. So, you know, it, if, if, it's, you know if it's all the same to you, just hang us out to dry. Or say great things, and then maybe we'll be able to get uh, better microphones, and then you, mm-hmm. your ears will have the, like a decadent treat every time you you listen in each week. That's true. And if uh, if you were worried that the uh, coronavirus would affect us, we're still you... able to watch movies and yeah. record remotely, so we will, we will we will be fine. We're gonna keep bringing you uh, cage reviews. The cage nation doesn't rest, and neither do we, no. and neither does the um, man himself. That's right. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Have a good one. Stay safe, everyone. Wash your damn hands. Um, wash those damn hands, baby. <laughs>